Welcome to the ITAD Talk podcast and part three in this series. And I've also been a really big fan of Pulseway, which is um, the new, um, our new RMM software that we're using. Absolutely love it. Um, I, I couldn't be happier with what it can do, the scripting aspects that we can do. We had an issue with some printers, so we wrote a script and we can deploy it to every single computer in the company in 15 seconds. Uh, okay, so I got an interesting question for you. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you give the 20-year-old James Fillmore if he was dropped into the present day? Well, learn to write code. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can do scripting, you know, I can do PowerShell scripting. But I can't. I'm not a Java developer. Um, but that's honestly where most of the money is, is in development right now. Um, the 20-year-old me would probably be, uh, stay in school, you idiot. <laughs> uh, it's funny yeah, how, I, how fast just, things change now, too, isn't it? Well, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is when I was in school, when I went to college, I graduated high school in 1996 and I went and I had already like I took my first computer apart when I was eight years old. My mom wasn't happy about it, but I put it all back together and it worked. And so from that point on, any new part that came in for our computer, like the first time we got a mouse, hmm. I had to install it. <sighs> like My dad brought home the mouse on a serial cable and I had to install the serial cable and install the drivers into DOS, which was all command line based. So I'm doing this at nine years old. Wow. And my dad used to bring home um, free books that he would get from the library um, of things you can do on a BBS. And that was a lot of fun. He would just bring those home, right? And say, here you go, read this. And so I would get our 20, I don't, what was the first, like 1200 baud modem? It was an external thing that I had to install. I would get on there and I would run the DOS commands to connect to bulletin board systems and read bulletin board posts about computers and have out software and how to get free software even back then. Um, and so by the time I got to college, I wanted to major in computers I'd already done a bunch of computers work in high school at the little that they provided, which was working on a Mac programming basic on a Mac was the first year, which I finished in a semester. And the second year was design software and some other stuff. He just used to, my teacher used to just bring software in and throw it at me and say, here, play with this for a while. So I would, um, and my first class, at college was introduction to computers. They would not let me test out of it. And the first homework was assignment was how to use a mouse. <laughs> how funny. I, I couldn't test out of that. And I'm like, I installed one when I was nine. I'm good. <laughs> so, right. um, so yep. it, it just didn't work for me. I didn't know it at the time, but I was late in life diagnosed with ADHD. And mm. so that probably explains a lot of it. You know what I mean? I was, I, I I was already learning things on my own and I could learn a lot more by myself or doing things or working, you know, working in the, I, my first job out of high school was working at Sony computer entertainment America. We worked for the PlayStation help desk system and 
that was a lot of fun doing tech support for PlayStation. Wow, that sounds like a fun job. It was great for a year. And then I went back to school. I tried again in Santa Barbara. Same problems. The classes were not challenging. Uh, mm. They wouldn't let me test out of it. Um, so I just went back to work, and I've been working ever since. So um, I had one more question I want to ask you. Uh, do you have a typical process for how you handle the IT as asset disp uh, disposition process? So that has that is something that has probably changed the most for me across my career. Um, when I was at doing retail and, and uh, earlier MSPs, like we didn't, right? We didn't, we just sold computers. I never had to worry about that unless people brought stuff back in. And those are the things that I would start to, like people would bring in their used computers or leave their computers and never come pick them up. And after so long, they became the property. That they, so we would just fix them and give them to kids who needed a computer, right? No, we would just have this one and go. Um, and then when I went to Charter Solutions, we were on the other end. Like we wanted other people's assets. You know, I, we wanted companies to give us stuff, but we didn't know who to reach out to. So I spent a lot of time sending emails and letters to companies around Utah saying, hey, we're a charter school. We need technology. Do hmm. you have any that you can donate to us? So I was able to get a couple of servers wow. uh, donated to us, which we were able to, to use. Um, the, the first server that we had um, that, I, that Lakeview Academy ever had, because before I got there, they had no centralized system. Everybody just had a computer that they logged into as their own user. Wow. And I don't even think that they had a, a consistent email. So I built them a server out of, um, I, I spent, uh, I think I spent $2,000 on a Xeon build that I built for them and set up their very first, you know, uh, small business domain controller that they'd ever had and deployed a network for everybody to use. Um, and so, but the rest of the time, like if I needed another piece of hardware, I, there was no room in my budget to go to the board and say, Hey, by the way, I need another $3,000 for a server. That, that didn't exist. So we would get people to donate us old servers, we got an old PDU donated, an old um, server quality UPS. We had a very small server closet that did very little. But, um, yeah, it that was a big struggle for us because we didn't know who to contact, right? That's why I would say develop relationships with the people who can take the donations. Not all districts can take donations. Some larger schools and um, large districts have contracts that they are locked into with the government right they have a dell contract and if they want to buy computers they have to pick from this list mm. and these are the prices that you're paying and those agreements were agreed upon three years ago when you need a computer and so you're buying three-year-old technology because they don't update right huh. the government goes out and buys or dell goes out and buys x amount of these systems to support purchases over the lifetime of the contract and so you're stuck with that hardware um and that's why it's important to reach out to schools who have separate programs that may be able to take them as donations directly to their school where they could build their own small network and 
Um, maybe you have staff that can go out there once a week and teach a networking class and show them how to build a, a network and what are the advantages of having security, right? What is security? How can we prevent this? Can you guys hack into this, right? Hmm. Those types of things I think would benefit the students unbelievable amounts, take some immense pressure off of teachers who are not computer experts teaching computers classes, right? They, they may have had a week working in Photoshop when they were in college. And so guess what? You get to teach the computers class. So, so giving time and uh, spending, developing relationships is, is what I would recommend for that. Um, and then we, I've transitioned over to other MSPs where we're working in medical. And again, medical would always take a donation, right? If somebody was getting rid of something at one location, we would see if another one wanted it. So we didn't do a lot of asset disposal. We did a lot of asset recycling, right? We would take it back, clean it, and sell it to somebody else unless it was too old and then we would e-waste a lot of it got it okay. and now now we work with a partner to do a lot of our e-waste uh, we have uh, an msp that we work with that does a lot of our um, hardcore network like cisco switching things like that that i'm not an expert in um, so we've got them working on that kind of stuff for us uh, where we don't have an expert at the almond board and um they do our e-waste, right? We we set them up in a pile and they come out and um, pick it up. And I wish that I could say that I know what they do with it, but I don't. Um, they're supposed to e-waste it, but I think right now, um, like 98% of the stuff that you e-waste, and you can't see the air quotes I'm doing, but that you e-waste goes somewhere in China and or some other poor developed underdeveloped country where they sit on the side of the road and melt them down for the gold. Right. Well, that's the and inhale toxic fumes and it's a horrible system. And I'm, I'm not sure there's a better way to, well, well I, I mean, I know there's gotta be better ways to do it. Like what you guys are doing. Right. So recycling you, the old yeah, technology. Yeah. So you want a, uh, an ITAD company, a recycler that's, uh, you know, uh, R2 certified or E stewards. Mm -hmm. And, um, as a matter of fact, we're upgrading to the, newest R2 standard, the V3. In fact, uh, our audit is, uh, first audit's next week, and then the final audit is next month, so. But uh, yeah, you wanna, and that's to ensure that there's a uh, downstream of uh, where all those uh, components of electronics end up, so that you don't right. have kids melting them down on the side, the side of the road. So um, that, that kind of is the last of my questions for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring out or you thought that that was important that you that you might want to mention um i i not really i mean the best the best thing that anybody in it can do i think is volunteer at school okay great i, I think that you'll help the kids and you'll relieve a tremendous amount of burden off of um the teachers and even if you're you know the only thing that the teacher has time to do is come and sit with you for an hour and learn from you so that they can go back and teach it to their kids. I, I think that anybody who is doing that kind of work would appreciate the help. Great. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate that uh, contribution. And uh, I want to thank James Fillmore for being our, uh, our guest uh, this morning at, on ITAD talk. Um, and uh, I'm definitely a, uh, 
almond milk user, so in my smoothies. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so. there are tremendous health benefits from almonds. So eat your ounce of almonds every day and uh, you'll see some great benefits, skin benefits, heart benefits. Great, great. Well, uh, once again, I want to thank you for your time this morning and we look forward thanks to so speaking much, to Jeff. you in the future. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. I appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen.